0: So, I have a song that I would like you to listen to as we begin this morning. Now, some of you may be familiar with the song. Some of you may not be familiar with the song. But I'd like you to listen. It's a bit of a catchy tune, it also has an important message. Listen to the song. Catchy, huh? Catchy tune, catchy message. I recognize that those of you that are my age or around my age probably remember the song from an 80s, early 90s sitcom. I noticed it in your eyes. How many of you remember that song? Yes, yes. Even some of you are younger may know the song from the sitcom because of Hulu or some other type of streaming device funny, funny sitcom. The name of the sitcom? Cheers. Cheers, yes. It was a funny sitcom with a great cast of characters, but the interesting thing about the sitcom Cheers is it took place in a bar. Every episode of Cheers was actually filmed or was located in this bar, and it was a place where everybody knew your name. And there's something really attractive about a place where everybody knows your name. It happened in a bar. I think it's what makes bars so attractive in so many cases. You can go and you can build and develop friendships, you can hang out with other people. It's a place where you can be heard. It's usually a place that's inclusive and accepting. It's often a place that's non judgmental, often a place where there's kind of no kind of looking down on other people. It's a place where everybody knows your name. Also what's interesting about bars is I I think, I think there's an attractiveness to them, not only just because it's everybody knows your name, but there's something that God does in each one of us. He puts on each of our hearts a desire to be known a desire to be known and to know others, a desire to be loved and to love others, a desire to be part of something that's bigger. And often that's what happens in bars. This desire to be known, a desire to be loved, a desire to be part of something that's much bigger. So what happens is people usually tend to accept a counterfeit for the price of a few beers. And that's because often the original solution isn't what it should be. You see, the original solution that God had in mind for the place where everybody knows your name is the church, Calvary Church is a local church that God wants wants to be the place where everybody knows your name. It's the place where you come to be known, where you come to be loved, where you come to be part of something that is much, much, much greater than yourself. See, it's the place where we should come to make friendships. It's the place where we should come to hang out. It's the place where we should come that's accepting and inclusive. It's the place that should be non-judgmental. It's the place where you should walk through the doors and be able to say, you know what, I messed up. Or life is just kicking my tail this week. Or I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to go on. And when you walk through those doors, somebody sees that on your face and they say, it's going to be okay. I love you. And they wrap their arms around you and say, you're going to make it through and I'm going to help you. The place where everybody knows your name. In the book of Philippians, it's clear that the Apostle Paul had a very special relationship with the church, with the people at the church in Philippi. There was a closeness. Paul's heart was connected to them and their hearts were connected to Paul. Even though they were miles apart from each other, there was a special connection that took place. There was a special connection in the church of Philippi that resulted in joy for Paul and in joy for the people of the church of Philippi. See, God's intention is that you, me, all of us together find joy in the church. So take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter one. Philippians chapter one is found on page 950, 950 in the Bible that the church provides. I'd encourage you to follow along. That way you know I'm not making this stuff up. Philippians chapter one. Last week, we looked at the first two verses of this letter and we learned that our joy is intimately connected to our identity in Jesus Christ. As followers of Jesus Christ, our identity is found in him. We are slaves to Jesus Christ, we are saints in Christ Jesus, and we are recipients of God's grace and peace, and as a result, we experience joy in and through Jesus. Today, we look at how our joy is connected to the church. Are you ready? Thank you. Are you ready? All right, let's go. There are four aspects of how our joy is connected to the church. First, we have joy in relationships. Look at Philippians 1 verses 3 and 4. Paul writes, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Paul begins by expressing his gratitude for all that the Philippian believers meant to him. He here remembers his friends, and as he remembers them, it leads him to give thanks to God. This is the recognition that no Christian lives his or her life alone. No Christian lives her or his life alone. Paul didn't live his life alone. The people at the Church of Philippi did not live their lives alone, and we are not to live our lives alone. We cannot live in isolation. Now, we certainly got a taste of that during 2020 with all the COVID lockdowns, and that isolation brought many of us to the brink, and it's because none of us are meant to live in isolation. We are members of a family, and we need each other, and the family is this church. Look at verse three. We read that Paul is filled filled with thankfulness every time he remembers them. I would suggest that we should follow this same pattern. For me, Personally, for me, every time I think of Calvary Church, I am thankful. Every time I think of you, I am thankful. I am thankful for Calvary Church and I am thankful for you. To be honest, almost every time. Not completely every time, I have to be honest. But most of the time, most of the time when I think of Calvary, when I think of you, I am thankful. I am thankful for what God is doing in you. I am thankful for what God is doing through you. How about you? When you think of Calvary Church, when you remember Calvary Church, what do you think? Are you thankful to God for this place? Are you thankful to God for the person that is sitting in front of you or behind you or next to you? Are you thankful for the people that are joining us here in worship this morning? And if you are, do you take that next step that Paul takes? Do you tell that person that you are thankful to God for them? You see, gratitude to God is a beautiful thing. Gratitude to God, when expressed to others, is a more beautiful thing because it can't help but fill us with joy. Look at verse four. Notice how Paul prays. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. This means that he's continually praying for them. And look what seasons his prayers. His prayers are seasoned with joy. This is the first time the word joy is used in the book of Philippians. Our study is entitled, The Fight for Joy. So it's probably a good thing that we define the word joy to know what we mean when we speak of joy. Joy is a state of mind. It is an orientation of the heart, and it is deep. It is a settled state of contentment, confidence, and hope. It is a settled state of contentment, confidence, and hope. You see, many times we think of joy as being happiness or or giddiness, That's not the definition of joy. You see, happiness, giddiness, is affected by our circumstances. Joy is unaffected by circumstances. In fact, in the most difficult of circumstances, people can be joyful. Paul was, he's writing this book from prison, and he still experienced joy. A settled state of contentment, confidence, and hope. And in this letter, joy is certainly a main theme. Some people believe it is the main theme. But I would like to suggest that Paul's prominent thought in this book is not actually joy. The prominent thought that Paul has in this book is actually Jesus, The word joy is used a lot in this book, but the name Jesus is used a lot more in this book. Actually, 17 times in this first chapter. That's because Paul's goal, this is the secret, people. Paul's goal is Jesus and knowing Jesus more and more and more. And the result of knowing Jesus more and more and more is joy a settled state of contentment confidence and hope you see more jesus equals more joy that's the formula now that takes us back to the church earlier i said that the church were members of a family but we're also part of a body look at these verses from 1 corinthians chapter 12 just as a body though one has many parts but all its many parts form one body So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink, even so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Paul continues for a number of verses, and then he concludes in verse 27, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. We're told in these verses that we as followers of Jesus Christ are not just part of a family, but we're part of a body. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we are one body. We make up the body of Jesus Christ. And what this means in regard to the church is as the body of Jesus Christ, we come together in this place. We gather together, we come together, we primarily but not exclusively come together to worship, to experience Jesus. And the reason we can experience Jesus in a greater way in this place is because when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, God, through his spirit, implants Jesus Christ inside of you, so you now have the spirit of God, you have Jesus himself residing in you, and when we gather together, we end up getting more Jesus. There's more of Jesus in this place because we have gathered together in this place and Jesus is in each side of you. So the result is the relationship that we have with Jesus and when we come together all having that relationship, we get more Jesus, which equals more joy. That's the formula. But yet so often we turn to counterfeit sources of joy. I mentioned bars earlier. It's a counterfeit source of joy. There's other counterfeits out there. There's, also, there's, there's actually a counterfeit right within our kind of Christian world. We live in a do-it-yourself world. We live in a do-it-yourself world that often results in a do-it-yourself spirituality. There are so many pieces of literature, Christian literature, There are so many podcasts, there are so many blogs that some could think I don't even need to go to church because I can listen to this preacher or that preacher, I can read this author or that author, I can go to that blog and it will tell me what to do with my life to live for Jesus. It's a do it yourself kind of spirituality. That is not God's intention. It is not God's plan. And hear me, it's not that those things are bad in and of themselves, but they are counterfeits to true joy because God's plan, his intention, is that we gather in relationship in this place to worship him. It's to be a family in this place to build relationships, to be known, to be loved, to experience something much, much more. It's to be the body of Christ in this place. And that requires relationship between you and me, between you and between you. Do it yourself. Christianity does not work. It does not produce joy. And this is why when Paul comes to the Philippian church and plants it and it grows and develops because Jesus is there, there is more Jesus in more joy because they are doing life together in relationship. Well, it's not only the joy of relationship. Second, he's thankful for something more. There's partnership There's joy in partnership. Look at verse five. Actually, jump back into verse four. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Here, Paul thanked God for the Philippians' partnership in the gospel. The word for partnership here is the Greek word koinonia. It's difficult to find one English word that can be translated from the Greek word koinonia. It can be translated like it is here, partnership. It can be translated participation. It can be translated fellowship. It generally has the idea of a working, faithful, connected community. It has a broad meaning that isn't conveyed by necessarily one English word, relational, Working community. This Philippian church was not made up of observers, it was made up of participants. Clarence mentioned it at the beginning of the service. I mentioned it last week. As we study the book of Philippians, there is an important concept that we need to keep coming back to. We are not just observers, we are called to be participants, we're called to partner. See, these Philippians made a commitment with Paul in the cause of the Jesus and his gospel. They joined in a battle with Paul to fight a war. Today, I think that there is a real danger. There's a real danger in the church. There's too many people who view church like a consumer who are consumers who are shopping for the best deal a place that will meet their needs. Too many people come to church and say, well, if he says the right things, then I'm gonna be good and I'll be happy. If he says the wrong things, that's not gonna be good and I'm not gonna be so happy. Some people come and say, well, if they sing these songs, it's gonna be a good day, but if they sing these songs, it's not gonna be such a good day. Others come and say, I'm really glad that everybody's wearing masks and I want to make sure we wear masks. And then others say, I'm not gonna come back until you don't make me wear a mask there can be a pervasive attitude that church is about me. And so the attitude becomes an attitude of me, 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 me. And so the result is that some go from church to church trying to find the right fit. Maybe, maybe the problem isn't the church. My friends, this is not Costco. these Philippians rolled up their sleeves and labored with Paul in the spread of the gospel, telling others about Jesus and supporting Paul in his efforts. They were in partnership with Paul, proclaiming Jesus and his way. They shared a common vision and they engaged in the vision together, the vision of the truth and the way and the life of Jesus. And they lived it themselves in relationship and they partnered together in 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 order to spread that message to a world that's dying and needs the life that only he can give. That is the vision. And there is joy in that partnership. And we need to recognize that we are in a battle as well. We are partners in this battle. In the encouragement, the call is for us to roll up our sleeves, catch the vision, and get to work spreading Jesus in his way. And I recognize, I know that there are many of you who are. Many of you are partnering in this. You have caught the vision. You have rolled up your sleeves and you are engaged. I think of Arlene, who leads a prayer group every single week. I think of Sarah, who teaches and organizes small group Bible studies. I think of Jerry on the security team. I think of Jeanette on the response team. I think of Matt and Becca. I think of Joe and Katie. These are individuals who have caught the vision, who have rolled up their sleeves and are engaged in Jesus and his way. It is the call to be a part of much, much more, but you got a partner to do it. And for those of you that are observing more than you are participating, the door is not closed to participation. There's opportunity you have the opportunity to engage, to roll up your sleeve. As we ramp up from COVID, our children's ministry is expanding. It's growing and we need more volunteers. We especially need some faithful, committed men to that cause. Alpha Ministries is coming soon. It's an opportunity where you're gonna have the opportunity to invite a friend to hear the gospel of Jesus so that they may come to know the life that he gives see, my friends, the opportunity is there, the opportunity to participate and experience the joy of participation. You see, from our text this morning, it is clear that this partnership led to joy for Paul. I also think it led to joy for the people of the church of Philippi. And I know that the partnership and participation will lead to joy for you. Catching the vision of Jesus, his way, and his gospel leads to partnership and ultimately to joy. Next. Third, there's not only joy in relationship, joy in partnership, there's also a joy in assurance. And this assurance cannot help but lead to joy. I think it's also an encouragement to join the battle too. This verse should provide you with needed confidence, contentment, and hope. Look at verse six. Being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Some people think that this is the greatest verse in all the Bible. I'm not sure it's the greatest verse in all the Bible, but it is a really good verse. And it's clearly a verse that each one of us should have memorized, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it up until the day of Christ Jesus. I'd like to, you to note three things from this verse that should lead you to joy. First, God starts his work in us. Look at it says, it says he's the one who begins this new work in you. Salvation always begins with God. We cannot make the first move because he needs to face, make the first move. We come to believe, but coming to believe is only possible if God enables us to believe. We see this in the planting of the church of Philippi. We see this in the conversion of Lydia. Remember, Lydia is the successful business person who is the first Christian in Philippi, the first Christian in Europe in the anchor for the Philippian church. Look what Acts 16 verse 14 says about her conversion. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. God began his work in Lydia and God began his work in you. Second, God continues his work in you. It says he will carry it on. God is taking personal responsibility for his work in you. To me, this is incredibly comforting. I appreciate that God is taking the responsibility that he is going to carry on the work in me. It's God who is working to make me and you more and more like Jesus. He is the one that is conforming you to the image of Jesus Christ. And the good news is, is that you're not done yet and I'm not done yet because God is continuing to work in each one of us. He's molding each one of us more and more to the image of his son, Jesus Christ, which leads us to the third point. God himself guarantees the outcome of his work in you. It says he will carry it on to completion, underline that in your Bibles, to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Not only does God start the process and continue the process, He guarantees the outcome. Nothing can stop God from his goal. He's not going to get distracted. He's not going to lose interest. There's nothing you can say. There's nothing you can do that is going to keep God from completing his work in you. It is his promise to you. He guarantees that he is going to complete what he started in you. The promise of this verse that leads to great joy is God always finishes what he started. There was a day in my seminary journey that was probably the most memorable day of all my time in seminary. I was taking a two-week January class. It was a two-week intensive. It was an ethics class, but I didn't take the class for the topic I took the class because of the professor who was teaching the class. At the time, he was a 75-year-old retired professor who would occasionally come back to teach a class. His name was Professor James or Jim Greer. Actually, he preached from the pulpit of Calvary probably 30 or so years ago. But Jim Greer was a bit of a legend around the seminary, and I was told that if he ever teaches a class... Make sure you sign up for the class no matter what the class is. So I signed up and I, and I was not disappointed. Professor Greer would come in every day. He'd sit at a desk. He never stood. I don't know that he ever wrote anything on the whiteboard, but he'd sit at the desk and he'd just speak. He would just start talking. And his words were filled with such godly wisdom and godly instruction that it was just captivating. I, it just sat and listened. In fact, there was one guy that talked a lot in class, and I told him one day after class, I was like, dude, can you just not talk so much? You don't understand what like, this guy is sharing. Well, one day, Professor Greer, as he's teaching, as he's talking, he says t- to the class, you know, I'm 75 years old, And all this Jesus stuff, that's my paraphrase, all this Jesus stuff is just starting to come together for me. I'm just starting to understand what it means to follow Jesus. I'm just starting to understand what it means to love him. I'm just starting to understand how much he loves me. And then he keeps talking. And I can't leave the statement. So I raise my hand and I'm like, hey, 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 could you go back to that? Because I'm thinking in my mind, man, this dude is 75 years old. And he's saying he's just starting to understand all that Jesus is and all that Jesus has for him. And so Professor Greer goes back and he goes, yeah. He goes, it's true. It's just starting to come. And I look back and I see how faithful God has been, how God has worked in my life in trials and in difficulties and in good times, but he's been there all the time and he's never forgotten about me and he's continuing to work on me even to this day. It's one of the most memorable days in seminary to me because of the encouragement it provided to me. this man who I viewed as so godly, recognized that the journey with Jesus is really in Jesus's hands. And he is going to finish what he started. So there's two brief applications from verse six, two brief applications. If God finishes what he starts, Application number one, cut others some slack. Cut others some slack. God is at work. He started the work, he's working, and he is going to complete the work. So cut other people some slack. God is working on them. I'm pretty sure he's better at it than you will be. So cut some other people some slack. Second, cut yourself some slack. God is working on you. He is conforming you to the image of Jesus Christ, and he's doing it because he loves you. And I know we can get down on ourselves and we can think, man, I'm not saying the right things, I'm not doing the right things. Maybe I should do maybe, yeah, maybe. But Jesus Himself is working on you. He's conforming you to his image. He has a plan and he promised that he's going to finish the plan. I know, I speak from experience. I have messed up. I mess up. I am not perfect, I sin. My wife's sitting in the front row, I'm surprised she hasn't said amen. (laughs) The hope that I have is that it's not on me. Jesus is doing the work. And you know what? when we cut other people some slack and we cut ourselves some slack, this place becomes full of a heck of a lot more joy. Amen? Amen. All right. Fourth one. There's joy in the relationship. There's joy in the partnership. There's joy in assurance. And then in verses seven seven and eight, we have joy in affection. We see the joy of affection. Follow along. Verse seven, it is right for me, to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul had a deep, enduring love and affection for the people of the church at Philippi, and it's mutual and it's right, and it's good. He has these people in his heart. They are constantly on his mind and in his prayers. The intimacy of their relationship has grown in the good times, and it has grown in the difficult times. And Paul loves them deeply. But this is more than a natural affection. Look at what he says. In essence, what he's saying is, with God as my witness, the affection I have for you is Jesus's affection through me. It's Jesus's affection for you. Jesus loves you. This is the secret to his love for the Philippians. And it's the secret to our love for each other. It's the secret of loving those who are unlovely. We're called to love each other. Some, let's admit, are easy to love and some people are not so easy to love. But here we're called to love each other. The key is to love like Jesus. How does Jesus love each one of these people, the lovely and the unlovely? What is his attitude? His attitude is one of deep affection that flows from his love, the love that he has for each one of these people. So the encouragement for you and for me is to act the way Jesus acts by showing affection to others because of the love of Jesus that is inside of you and is inside of me. Because as I stated earlier, if you are a follower of Jesus, Jesus himself resides inside of you, so you have experienced his love personally, which gives you the opportunity to share his love through the affection that you have towards other people. And the encouragement is that it doesn't need to be our love. It's the love of Jesus that is in each one of us that we are encouraged to share with each other. And when we do that, there is a whole lot of love and affection that fills this church and this place Do you see the beauty of what Paul is doing in these verses? He is proclaiming that this church, any church, but this church, Calvary Church, is to be a place where we experience joy because of the relationships, where we experience joy because of the partnerships, where we experience the joy of assurance because we are reminding each other Consistently, that God is at work through Jesus Christ in you and he's going to finish it. And then together, the love just overfills this place because we know the love of Jesus in our own hearts and in our own minds and we share that affection with each other. See, this is to be the place where everybody knows your name where we recognize each other's struggles and difficulties and we do it together because we are all in this together. There's a pet peeve of mine that I'd like to share with you. It's a very small pet peeve, but it is a pet peeve nonetheless. My pet peeve is when people say that they go to Calvary Church say, hey, what church are you a part of? Well, I go to Calvary Church. Now, I understand. I understand that it's hard to kind up with the right phraseology to that, but it just kind of gets me. And it gets me. Some of you may have heard me say this. It gets me because I would much rather hear people say, Calvary Church is my church. Now, I know theologically that Calvary Church is the church of Jesus Christ. That's not going to change. We are the church of Jesus Christ, which means we follow him, we believe in him, we obey him, we are going to do what he says to do. We are the church of Jesus Christ. But having said that, having acknowledged that, it is my hope and prayer that each one of you would come to view Calvary Church as your church, that means that you seek relationships here. That means that you partner here. That means that you get your assurance here. And that means that you express the love that Jesus Christ has placed inside you here at this place. You know what else that means? That means if Jim Samra is not the senior pastor at this place, it really doesn't matter to you. It means that if Tom Olson is not a lead pastor at this place, it doesn't matter to you. Why? Because this is your church. Amen. And this is where God is has called you to experience the joy that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And that joy is enhanced by relationship, partnership, assurance, and affection. Do you understand how this works? Good. Because now, as we continue, we understand why we are all in this together. Because together, yes, you can clap. One last thing and then I'm closing. Andy's nodding at me over there. One last thing, because then together, we will together make this the place where everybody knows your name. Let's pray. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on. If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages from this series. Thanks for listening.